Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is a true crime podcast, as the title suggests. So please consider this your warning that it's not suitable for children and it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast, so Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. He's in hiding in Rio de Janeiro. Santoro is the only suspect in Cecilia's murder. Her body was found in the Lane Cove River the same weekend he left Sydney. His homeland now his only protection. Brazil won't extradite its own citizens for crimes, but he could be tried here. Sydney detectives are hoping to travel 13,000 kilometres to Rio if and when it's possible. But under Brazilian law, Santoro can't be forced to talk to them. 
If you were Santoro's lawyer, what advice would you give to him? Be quiet. That's exactly what he's doing. Ashley Hansen is an old-school journalist who chases down leads to the ends of the earth when she knows she's onto an important story. When she first reported on the murder of Brazilian woman Cecilia Haddad in Sydney in 2018, Ashley had no idea just how far around the world she'd end up following her killer. This is part one of a two-part Australian true crime special because it's a big story about the determination of New South Wales police and Brazilian police who work together to bring a killer to justice. We begin the conversation by learning about the victim, the vivacious, popular woman whose talent brought her all the way to Australia, Cecilia Haddad. She did move here for a better life and she came from Brazil. She was born in Brazil and grew up there. So Brazil, as you know, is notoriously extremely high crime rates. So she was well-educated in Rio de Janeiro. She went to university there and she moved to Australia in around 2007. And she set herself up in Perth. She was working for BHP, a mining giant, and she was a logistics manager within the company. And she married there. She married a a Brazilian man, Felipe Torres, and they were together for about a year and then they separated, but they always remained good friends. And then she relocated to Sydney the the following year and set herself up up here. And she always had a, a really vibrant social life. She was, people just gravitated to her because she was really outgoing. She was sociable. She was hardworking, but she always made time for her friends. And I guess being away from her family, her friends did become her family in, in Australia. So she had a really close network of friends and she was living her best life in Sydney. She was in a, an apartment in Ride. She'd just finished up at BHP in Perth. And then she was also working, she's got quite an impressive resume. She was working for Pacific National as well. And she was a a manager within that organization as well. And then she set up her own business and she was also working for higher up as a disability support worker at some stage as well. So quite a caring and compassionate person. And that's what all her friends always said about her is that she was very loving and caring. And she was living in Sydney and living a really good life professionally. But she had this boyfriend, a partner, and there was just some really red flags there. Right. So this is Mario. This is Mario Marcelo Santoro. Okay. So they had been off and on for for a long time. Um, Had they met before her marriage? Yes, they had. In fact, they went to university together in Rio de Janeiro and they dated briefly, but it didn't work out. And Santoro went on to marry and have two children with another woman. They later separated. But Mario Santoro was actually the best man of Cecilia's husband, Felipe. At their wedding. At their wedding in Perth. So he was very close to Cecilia and her ex-partner. They all were really good friends. So were they part of a sort of a tight-knit Brazilian yeah, at one stage they were, yeah. Mm. And and Mario moved over from Brazil a few years later, though. This is around 2017. And 
uh, Cecilia many years earlier had broken up from Felipe and she, they reconnected after dating at university and that that's when he moved over to Australia to be with Cecilia mm. and they started this relationship in Sydney. He definitely was um, moved straight in with her, I understand, and perhaps that could have put a bit of pressure on the relationship. I know that he had some struggles in terms of his work and his visa, so I think he had some financial struggles as well because he was an engineer and he was highly educated as well, quite successful. So yeah, they were, they were, you know, together in Sydney and on the surface, I think people thought it was all rosy, but uh, behind closed doors, there was some, definitely some red flags. Yeah. So she's got this um, really successful life, her own place, her work's going really well. She's obviously making some good money. And then he moves over straight into her place. He's having visa issues, work issues, that would add pressure to any relationship. And I, I think as well, at one stage, his children came over to visit and they were quite young and they stayed with Cecilia. And according to Cecilia's family, she paid for a lot of the expenses of them coming over and living with her. And they obviously weren't her children. Um, so I think that probably placed a lot of uh, pressure on the relationship as well. And, yeah, for sure. And she doesn't have any children. So that's a lot. That's it. But she did want to have children. And she had spoken very freely with her friends and family how one day she wanted to be a mother. So... Cecilia's closest friends, I'm sure by that stage, we're, this is a few years after um, she's arrived and her marriage has broken down and all of those things. So I'm sure her circle of friends had broadened by this stage and wasn't still that sort of tight-knit Brazilian group. But what were their impressions of the relationship between her and Mario? I think towards the end of the relationship, they definitely knew there was some really big, bright red flags and they were supporting her and also trying to urge her to not just to get out of this situation, but to even report him because he, it got so bad. And there was 5,000 text messages exchanged between Centauro and Cecilia towards the end of the relationship that showed that there was just this relationship breakdown. She'd break up with him. They'd get back together. He'd beg to, for her to, to take him back and then they'd get back together. So it was very on off. But he was living out of her apartment and I think she felt a lot of uh, guilt around, you know, pursuing the relationship and, and ending the relationship and um, she did feel sorry for him and she didn't want to report him to the police even though some of his behaviour was stalking, he was um, very possessive and coercive control. Definitely when you look at the case from the, this perspective now and you go back and you see what he was doing in terms of how he, he just wouldn't take her word and she actually had to, to give him a deadline and she said, you have to be out of the house by 4pm today. Because what alternatives did he have? What, where else could he go? You know, we know realistically, A, that's not her problem and B, everyone can always find somewhere to go. Exactly. But we also know that it's in his best interest and this is what abusers do to convince her that he has nowhere to go and, you know, she's feeling like, I can't kick this guy out. He's got nowhere to go. Exactly. And that's what he, the lines that he kept saying to her is, where am I going to go? I've, I've come all the way over here to be with you. Mm. Um, I've left my job and very much putting that pressure on her to stay in the relationship, yeah. even though she'd made it pretty clear that it was over. She wanted him out. And then she actually threatened him and said, if you're not out by four o'clock, 
today, I'm going to call the police. And that was the first time she really threatened to call the police, even though her friends and family were very worried about her. And he said that when he moved out, he had nowhere to go and he lived in his car for a night. But he did end up getting a rental very close to Cecilia's place. And he gave her her keys back. And he said he'd given the keys back, but he'd actually got another copy. He never really wanted to to let her go, in my mind. He was always in the back of his mind because if he was going to move out and he had no intention of going back there and the relationship was over, then why would he secretly go and get a pair of set of keys cut? Yeah. As a girlfriend of hers, I would have said, change your locks. But, I mean, maybe before doing this podcast I wouldn't have, but now I would, yeah. you know. Um, this is the problem, isn't it? None of us think, none of us assume he's going to be one of those guys who who will kill me. Exactly. And I think as well, he'd never physically, well, there's no evidence that he'd ever physically touched her or Mm. assaulted her or anything like that. So even though she was very scared, I think that she thought it it would never escalate to, to violence. It would never escalate to that. And of course, her family and her friends that that knew that she was scared of him um, have a deep sense of of guilt around that because they're probably asking themselves those questions too. But no one can predict what's going to happen, and no one would would ever think that something so terrible and no. violent would happen to somebody. And Centauro as well. He he ne- he didn't have a criminal record. He was an engineer. He was a good abiding citizen or visitor to Australia and in Brazil he had no criminal record. So no one ever knew that there was be a reason to think that he could do something so sinister. Mm, Yeah, and that's a very common story, isn't it? That uh, a lot of people, a lot of men who murder their partners or ex-partners don't have a criminal history, don't have a history of violence and in fact haven't physically assaulted their partners or ex-partners before. So how and when was the alarm raised that that we should actually be worried about Cecilia? Well, Cecilia's mum, Milo, was speaking to Cecilia on the phone and she heard this banging on the door and she said, what's that sound? What's that sound happening in the background? And she said, oh, it... It's Santoro. He's he's here. He wants to get in, and oh and she could gosh. hear his voice on the other end of the phone in the background saying, "Let me in, let me in." And she was saying, "No, go away, go away." And then she said to her mum, "It's okay. He's gone away. I, he's left now. It's okay. I'm going to get ready because I'm going out with my friends." And they actually spoke about getting a security guard for her, and she said oh, no, mum, I can't afford it. It's $100 an hour. And so that already had this discussion with her mother. So you can imagine her mother, how she felt at this point. Mm. She's in Brazil. She's thinking, my daughter is scared for her life. That's so extreme, isn't it? Think Discussing hiring a bodyguard for your child, again, you know, on the other side of the planet. I know, right? And then hearing, I'm going to get ready and go out when... You've just heard that on the other side of her front door is this guy that you're all terrified of. Banging on the door yeah. and saying, let me in. Yeah. And that was obviously very worrying for Cecilia's mum. Mm. But the last thing she said to her was, it's okay, mum. I'm okay. I'm going out with my friends now. He's gone. Mm. But of course we know he hadn't gone away.
After the break, our guest journalist Ashley Hansen pieces together what happened after Cecilia's phone call with her mother. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So that was the last anyone ever heard from her. She didn't, no friends were coming to pick her up, I guess. Was she going to meet them? She was due to go and pick up her friends for this social engagement that day. And she didn't turn up. And so the friends started becoming concerned. Then talk started swirling about, has anyone heard from Cecilia? But then some text messages started to come through. Mm. And that's when Cecilia's mum was really worried. The language wasn't the same as the things that Cecilia would say. And the message said, I'm going up into the Blue Mountains now. I just need a couple of days to get away. Mm. And, of course, Sydney, the Blue Mountains, is about an hour and a half out of Sydney and a beautiful part of the world that you go to to take in the scenery up there and a quiet part of the world. But it was but just very just strange. She told her mum she's going out with exactly. her girlfriends. So it didn't match up to no. what she was doing. It, it really did What a dumbass. I know, right? So he's trying to set up oh, I'm going away for a few days now, you know, just out of the blue. So he's obviously in panic and just trying to buy himself a couple of days. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And her family, then she's been reported missing. Mm. Someone has actually gone to the police and said, we're really worried about Cecilia and filed a missing persons report. Mm. And that was on the Saturday, the last time that anyone had heard from her. And on the Sunday... It was a beautiful day in Sydney, a stunning day in Sydney. 
and there was a group of kayakers out on Sydney Harbour and they came across a body, a fully clothed body floating in the water in Woolwich, which is one of Sydney's most exclusive suburbs. You're talking about an area where people live in multi-million dollar homes. They have this beautiful view of Sydney, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, the skyline. This is not a place that's linked to crime usually. Mm. So from there, that's when this case really turned into something so much bigger. And uh, initially, though, police ruled that the, the discovery was a suspected suicide or a drowning But of course, it didn't take very long to match the two reports and to also speak to her family and friends and realise that something much sinister had gone on here. I know. It's so awful when people so quickly become suspicious when they don't hear from a woman, isn't it? Just so quickly when a woman fails to pick you up to take you to a barbecue and you immediately go, he's killed her. And we hear that so often. It's just so awful when everyone is is that on edge about a woman's safety, you know, or when her mum gets a text message that's just a bit strange and she immediately flies into that defence mode and starts ringing her friends and then they all go, oh, my God, it's happened, and immediately call the police And because everyone just kind of expects it. And where was he by this stage? Well, Mario Santoro was on a flight back to Brazil. That fast? Yep. So he murdered her on the Saturday Mm. and dumped her body that evening. And then the following day when her body was found, he was already on a flight home. Oh, God. He was the number one prime suspect immediately. And once they realised he wasn't in the country anymore, they were very limited in what they could do. But about a week later, homicide detectives held their first press conference about the discovery and they identified Cecilia Haddad as a murder victim and were appealing for the public for help because they wanted to piece together her final movements so they could build a case. But already Mario Santoro was home in Rio de Janeiro, back with his family and friends, living his life as if nothing had happened. As a result... That's why we're here today. We are seeking the assistance of the public to help us piece together Cecilia's movements leading up to her disappearance. We know she was at a barbecue on Friday night with friends and from then she missed uh, several appointments throughout the day on Saturday. So we're seeking the assistance of anyone who may have either seen Cecilia or her vehicle from the early hours of Saturday morning through to Sunday afternoon and we're urging them to come forward. After Cecilia's remains were discovered by the kayakers, how long did it actually take police to identify her? Well, within a few days, they had got Felipe, her ex-partner from Perth, and he came to Sydney and he actually had the unimaginable task of identifying her body. Oh, her ex-husband. Yes, because he was still listed as her next of kin. And they were still friends. They were still close. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And identifying any remains that have been in the water, even for 24 hours, is particularly horrible, I would think. I'm sure that's a haunting image and that that doesn't leave him. But what was also pretty shocking about that friendship in terms of Santoro's behaviour is he pointed the finger at him to police. Yes. So... 
when he was speaking to the police on the phone and trying to give them a version of events, he actually said, well, Felipe could have been, he could have been around her. I know that they were having some troubles and sort of, and that came out in in one of the trials, in one of the pre-trials as well. The defence said, well, it could have been Felipe, but (sighs) police knew very early on he was ruled out as a person of interest because he wasn't even in the state when Cecilia was killed. So he was ruled out very early on. But that just shows you the kind of character that you're dealing with and the extents that he was prepared to go to, throw his best mate under a bus and allude to police that it could have been him. Yeah. That's the kind of man you're dealing with. Her father did come out after after the crime and he he came out to take care of all the all those terrible things that that families are left to deal with you couldn't even imagine it you know mm-hmm. it it's, takes a quite, quite a long time to get from brazil to australia too and all of the visa issues and mm-hmm. and then getting here to you know get your beloved daughter home in in a casket it's just uh, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't imagine it what is the story between Australia and Brazil in terms of extradition? Extradition, that's the word I'm looking for, and our legal deals. Yeah, it's not a thing. Um, no. It's just not. Initially, police wanted to, he's a dual citizen of oh. Italy as well. He has an Italian passport. So secretly behind the scenes, they were sort of working out this plot as to how they could get him to Italy and then extradite him back to Australia. But as this was all happening, Brazil had their own agenda and the police over there were already building a case against him because Cecilia's mother had gone to Brazilian police and had given them the details about her death because by this stage she had details from the police about a death certificate and how she died. And and she's a Brazilian citizen. Yes. He was a Brazilian national and they were intending to try him over there because really? under their law they can do that, oh. but it's extremely hard to extradite their own citizens. They don't do it. It's written in their constitution that they don't give up their own citizens to other countries no, for crimes like this. Which is co- fairly common around the world, but I've never heard of another case where a person has been tried in their own country for committing a murder in a different country, have you? It's so bizarre yeah. and, and so rare. I've never, I'd never heard of it either. Mm. Before I went to Brazil, Interpol had um, issued an arrest warrant for him because he was wanted over Cecilia's murder. That's when I decided to travel to Brazil with Channel 7. On a manhunt with a Brazilian force, police close in on Mario Marcelo Santoro in the country he turned to for protection. We were on the ground in Rio de Janeiro for days on end and the case just started building, gathering momentum. You saw a lot more police coming and going from some of the properties connected to Santoro and they were looking at looking for him at this stage. He was a fugitive on the run, according to Australian police. But because Interpol had issued an arrest warrant for him, he was also, he, he was wanted internationally. Now, by this stage, he was a wanted man. And because of that, he he was a fugitive in his own country. Yeah, I was wondering why he didn't skip to somewhere else, like not Italy, obviously, but somewhere in South America. Well, I think he thought that he would be safe in Brazil, yeah. knowing that they couldn't extradite him or they wouldn't extradite him. And 
I don't even think that he envisaged that they would ever be able to try him in his own country Mm. for a murder committed so far away on the other side of the world. And even the police, when they did finally arrest him, they said that he was so surprised. He was sitting there watching the World Cup because it was 2018 and Brazil was actually playing in the World Cup. And he was just sitting in, in a relative's home. He w- he was floating from from different relatives' homes, hiding out as such. But I think he still had a sense of th- they're not really looking for me. It's I'm okay in my own country. I'll just keep a low profile. Well, also because Brazil's a high crime country, so surely he thought they've got better things to do. Yeah, I mean their their murder stats are oh they're horrific, unbelievable. In the same year that Cecilia was murdered. 57,000 people were murdered in Brazil. Yeah. It's a dangerous place when you're just walking around out in the streets. We had a team that we, we'd employed a local team on the ground to basically be our tour guide. and A fixer. And a fixer, yeah. yeah. And the fixer, so we came with a driver, a fixer. There was also another assistant and... They were also really our security guards too because they would tell you, no, we're not going there. And I couldn't understand it at one stage. I said, oh, this person, we're going to speak to this person tomorrow. Could we drive there tonight or could we do this or could we go and pick up? And they were just like, no, flat out, no, we don't drive through those areas at night. And the favelas are like shanty towns up the hills, right? They are, but there's also a lot of gangs and and that that, that loiter around the popular tourist spots. Like it was known that the, the gangs would, would go down to the beach and just fleece tourists. So you were very much aware of that when you were there and aware of your surroundings, very much so. So the police are so busy, for want of a better word, and and the violence is so extreme. So if I were him, I'd have thought, as if they care about me, this has happened in another country. And I think that's what he was thinking. Yeah. He was thinking there are so many other murders, you know, that are happening up in the favelas Mm. and and Brazil's got enough to deal with. They're not going to be worried about me. No. And and if he's wealthy, if his you know, family's very rich, maybe he thought, you know, they could buy their way out of it. I do think there was a sense of that too, a sense of arrogance and entitlement that he would just be able to get away with it. Cecilia had this childhood friend, um, Danny Suzuki, who is a famous actress in Brazil. Wow. They used to do ballet together growing up and they were childhood friends. And Danny went on to be this famous actress and oh. she's this stunning Brazilian woman and she has over a million followers on Instagram. And when the Interpol arrest warrant came out, she actually jumped on the bandwagon and put it out to all of her followers on Instagram oh. saying, can you help find this man? Can anyone report him? And like with his photo and everything? With his photo, with the police, wow. with the photo of Cecilia and she went to a, a memorial service too that was held for Cecilia back in Brazil following her death and she was putting it out to all of her followers. So definitely there was a sense of momentum was building that the that the families and the friends were who were just determined to not let him get away with this. Yeah. And they, they wanted really him found. They did, they did. And we were, we were just about to come home actually, a cameraman and I from Channel 7 that we went over to follow this story and he hadn't been arrested and it had been almost 10 days and we kind of came to a loose end where it was 
Like we had to go home, you know, and we'd spoken to Brazilian police and we, we'd done a lot of stories with Cecilia's family and with the police and, and he was just nowhere to be found. We were feeling a bit deflated at that stage as well because there was so much. It was building up to his arrest. But then on the, our flight was booked and we were at dinner and we just got this text message come through that police are about to pounce. Within 24 hours, the next day, we went on a ride along with the police and followed them as they went door to door to some of his relatives' homes with an arrest warrant looking for him. And he was finally arrested sitting in a relative's apartment. And he was actually, as I said, he was watching the World Cup. Oh, my God. And so were you, were you there? Were you out in the, in the black van out front when they... I was back at the police station. Mm. So when they brought him in for the first time, that was, I'll, I'll never forget it. There was, by this stage, there was a lot of media at the police station at the homicide headquarters, which was a very strange place. It was just an ordinary building, nothing flash, but there was a lot of police cars out the front, obviously, and officers coming and going. And on this one particular day, this big group of officers came into the building and we started chatting to them. One of them could speak English and we started chatting and they were all wearing bulletproof vests. And we we sort of got chatting. They said, oh, we've just come back from a funeral. One of our officers was killed last week up in the favelas. And I thought, oh, far out. I'm, I'm so sorry, you know, and we were just so stunned. And then he said, yeah, well, it's it's actually quite common that our officers are killed. And he said, look, look at our cars. And one of the cars had bullet holes all through the cars. It just parked out the front of the police station. I mean, could you imagine a New South Wales police car or any car no. outside an Australian police station just riddled with bullet holes. No. It, it was one of those moments where you just think, far out, you have such a dangerous job. When they arrested him and he had to go into these cells that were a bit like a dungeon, and one of the officers explained it to me and he said, yeah, this is where we can hold people here for up to three days without charging them. He took us for a tour in there after Santoro was moved to another facility. And I'll never forget it because it was just like a dungeon. There was graffiti and writing all over the walls. It was like a pit and there was hole in the cell where for, you know, going the to the toilet. toilet. Yeah. Mm. And the place smelt like that. Mm, <laughs> it was, and that was their intention for this was to try and induce confessions and just to make it so unbearable for people to be in these facilities that they well, would. I mean, when you've got millions of people living in the favelas, living in, you know, shanties on the mountains, you can't imagine that the prison would be very livable. No. Can you? I can imagine it would have taken a while for the coroners. For the autopsy to come yeah, back. Yeah, you know, and for them to release her remains to her family and to allow them to bring her home to Brazil. Yes, and it, it did take some time. Mm. But they also did pass on the autopsy report to her mother, which would have been such a confronting read, something I'm sure yeah. she'll never forget. And that was actually, she gave a copy of that to Brazilian police. So they had some firm evidence there to go from that she'd been asphyxiated. Okay. She'd been strangled. Right. So even though there was no signs of of trauma on her body when she was found, and that's why initially they, they suspected that she may have drowned or she may have, been, have taken her own life, 
But in the autopsy report, it came out that she'd been strangled. And also on her body was also found in her pockets were her dive weights. So after he killed her, he actually used her own dive weights from her apartment and put them, stuffed them into her pockets because he he never wanted her to be found. Mm, he tried to sink her into the He did. Harbor. She was found and eventually so was Centauro. Thank you to our guest, Ashley Hansen, who'll join us again next week to tell us about the twists and turns of Mario Marcello Santoro's trial. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 Yarn on 139276 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there.